You're listening to episode 173 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our look at season two of TNT's The Librarians. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. All right. Uh, so last week you sounded like you had a head cold, turned out to be allergies. Tonight you probably got a migraine after today. Uh, I actually didn't see the football game at all. I'd, okay. I have uh, lacrosse and field hockey all day, so... I think we're going to start referring to them as the team who shall not be named. <laughs> right. But we are here to discuss not the Ravens' sad state of affairs, but The Librarian Season 2, Episode 5, titled The Librarians and the Hollow Men. But before we get to that, Wayne and I, as always, want to remind you we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the Leave Voicemail tab can send us an audio clip that you record on your own computer, send the MP3 as an attachment, or just send us a tweet at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group there. You know, one thing that that occurred to me, and I, I you know, I'm not really addressing this to you, uh, but rather you guys out there, and that has to do with the librarian's online presence, because I've subscribed to the librarian's Reddit group. And there's not a whole lot of action there. And maybe it'll pick up when season three starts. I don't know. I joined a Facebook group. And while it has way over 2,000 members, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of action there. And again, maybe that'll pick up with season three. But if you guys out there know of any online forums, Facebook groups I'm missing, uh, really, I'd love to know. And I know you don't really have time, so. No. All right. So today... While you were at field hockey and whatever that other sport you said was. Yeah, lacrosse. Lacrosse. Uh, that's the one with the I didn't, stick. I didn't, I didn't know if you just didn't want to mention it because you're like a baseball guy. Yeah, know. well, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, we're watching James Bond from Russia with Love. Nice. Yeah. I love that movie. Oh, my gosh. The 60s. With Robert Shaw as the bad guy. He's awesome. He is awesome. And oh, uh, well, That's he, one of my favorite Bond movies. And I just get into just these different moods and and you know there there's usually some channel running a bond marathon at some point and, and sometimes i'm in the mood sometimes i'm not and you know it's funny i mean obviously sean connery is my favorite bond but i've right. never been a daniel craig fan at all oh really yeah i know and i, I know a lot of people really like him yeah i, yeah, I think he's great uh, believe it or not pierce brosnan is my second favorite bond I, I don't find that surprising. I thought he was he was a really good Bond, you know? Roger uh, Moore didn't do it for me. Uh, Roger Moore, I didn't like it all. So Now, the other show, and you know, I were talking about this before we went on the air, uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency yeah, had its yeah, debut. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll get to see it on I BBC know. America just this past weekend. And I, I DVR'd it. I watched a little bit of it. I was kind of tired when, when I finally got around to it because Maryland football was on and they at least won. So I guess I'm still trying to, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to figure out whether or not it actually is genre. And I certainly haven't seen enough of it to make that determination, but it is Douglas Adams. Sure. So that's, uh, I have to go back. It's I've, I've read the books a long time ago. Um, I'm a, I, I do love Douglas Adams and his writings but uh you know i've I've read all the hitchhikers books back and forth like a bunch of times i've only read the dirk gently books like one time and it was a while ago so i need to go back i think a reread is in order yeah well uh, yeah 
Sorry, James Joyce biography. You've just gotten pushed back once again. Well, I'll get I, to you one day. Well, I'm certainly not going to read the books. You know, if there's there's a movie or a TV show, because obviously, oh, Dave, just like books, on. better pictures and fewer okay. of those words and stuff. So, now speaking of words and stuff, uh, you know, obviously we, we've talked a little bit about the first librarian's companion novel, and I found out last week that book two of the companion novel trilogy, The Librarians and the Mother Goose Chase by Greg Cox is going to be released on April 25th, 2017. Librarians in the Lost Lamp has been getting very favorable reviews. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that and, you know, hopefully I'll get another advanced copy, although it looks like it might yeah, be electronic maybe, maybe this time. Maybe this time you'll let me read it before you pass it on. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> You still have a stack of essays that you should be reading. Yeah, I'm ignoring them, though. Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) And a James Joyce biography that I've had for years that I really want to read, but I just, you know, other things keep popping up. I hear you. All right, well, uh, we are here to talk about Season 2, Episode 5, The Librarians and the Hollow Men, written by Jeffrey Thorne, directed by Noah Wiley. And I believe this is the first episode of The Librarians that he's directed. Isn't that the guy who used to be on ER? It no, it's the guy that was in Falling Skies. Oh, okay. And I think he's also the guy that's in that commercial that's got all the doctors. That yeah, uh, that was know, hilarious. The guy, the guy from Mash. Uh, yeah, you know the one guy, and then the the, 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 the woman that guy was from in Scrubs and uh, House MD, and then yeah. the guy the guy that drives uh, Formula One race cars. That's not very attractive, but right. Patrick Dempsey, maybe I think is his name. Yeah. But uh, you wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the Hollow Men and sure. the relation to fine literature. I thought, hey, you know, like that's the famous T.S. Eliot poem. And Dave, you, you've very disappointed me with your knowledge of both Eliot and this poem. But I'm just, I just got to put that out there. Okay. But <laughs> so T.S. Eliot wrote this poem called The Hollow Men. So I figured I would just read. It's like uh, a couple parts. How many parts is this, is this thing? Three, four, five, five parts, which aren't that long, but I'm just going to read part one because it's pretty good. And, and we can kind of see how it relates. So, Mr. Kurtz, he did a penny for the old guy. Part one, we are the hollow men. We are the stuffed men leaning together, headpiece filled with straw. Alas, our dried voices, when we whisper together, are quiet and meaningless as wind and dry glass or rat's feet over broken glass in our dry cellar. Shape without form, shade without color, paralyzed force, gesture without motion. Those who have crossed with direct eyes to death's other kingdom remember us, if at all, not as lost, violent souls, but only as the hollow men, the stuffed men. Good stuff, huh? Well, yeah, and I mean, you certainly can can see the relation to the episode we're about to talk about, and and I'm not sure how the rest of the poem is going to play out, but yeah, I'd, I'd if I be, remember, it's just kind of like this whole thing of like the you know the emptiness of modern life and kind of the what's the point of itness of everything. So, all right, good stuff. So head on out to your actually that's probably in the public domain now, so you can just probably Google it like you did. Yeah, and, right. And hopefully, we won't get sued. No, nah, probably not. Fair it's, use, something totally fair use, I believe. Before we get, you probably didn't see. I, I posted to the Facebook group. I'm watching, I don't even, I think it was the Maryland football game, as a matter of fact. And and here comes Dr. Strange. And I'm like, cool. 
And next thing you know, he's got a Norelco razor and he's shaving oh, his beard. And I'm like, no. are you kidding me? <sighs> but then I thought about it. And it's really a good thing because with the money they earn from that commercial, uh, I'm sure they can either hire another extra or, uh, you know, create you another think, explosion. You think the, the Marvel Universe uh, cinema company is really. I think they need the money. Hard up for cash. I, I do. You do? Why? <laughs> I'm yeah, okay. Um, so anyway, um, money grubbers. I, I just, yeah, I just realized at the end of the poem that I just want to put this out because it's a, you, you'll have heard this one before. So it says, "This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper." You've heard that line. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So um, that's a that's a great line. And I think that's foreshadowing because I mean I I know like every season at the end there's uh you know the the deadly peril at the end that all of existence can potentially get snuffed out so um probably a little bit of foreshadowing there too okay all right well why don't we get in and talk to about the episode and, and I mean I I guess a great segue would be to to look at the title for a second who are the hollow men I mean obviously Ray at one point sure refers to himself as as hollow and and there where it's not i guess as much as you're saying about the poem about the the emptiness of modern life for him it's just literally he doesn't have anything inside but right. maybe that is a parallel yeah yeah for sure and uh you know moriarty i'd say is a little bit as he's dealing with his you know his reality of his existence i guess yeah, and and he's so fascinating. We'll talk about uh, the the relationship between Moriarty and Eve, and you know he tells her at one point that that you know he was taken under duress by Prospero, and, and that you know she can help him break that spell. But I don't know whether we should believe him or not. No, oh, right, but you know he he raises a fair point where he's like, you know, she's like, "You're a bad guy. You kill people." He's like. Like I had a choice, right? That's how I was written, right? Yeah. Arthur Conan Doyle wrote this character and that's me. He doesn't have any free will in this. Right. So. Right. Now, is Flynn a hollow man? That's a good question. I, I mean, I, I guess the, the thing that's so interesting about Flynn as he appears in these episodes and has to come to terms with the fact that there are three other librarians he now has some sort of a relationship, and it was interesting to hear her try to describe it to Moriarty. Well, I'm, there's a guy I'm seeing, and oh, seeing, are you? So I, I don't know. I mean, it's probably not fair to say that Flynn's hollow, that he certainly has a lot going on to give his life meaning. But on the other hand, things are changing and yep. you know maybe he's not changing as quickly as as he needs to well that that ending man that was jarring right that was yeah i, I mean look one of the things i i did have in my notes is that there's not a lot of tension in this episode even by librarian standards but then when we get to the end and again we we've talked about the epilogues that seem to be jenkins talking to whichever character was at the center of that week's episode uh -huh. and really talking, you know, philosophically about life, you know, the person's quest to find him or herself. And, and we kind of see that here, but with 
very little dialogue, if any at all. Yeah. And it's just as powerful. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, I've mentioned a few times about the librarians as an educational show that, you know, parents can sit down with their kids. QED, there it is again, Eve says. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. That which is to be shown or demonstrated. Quad ergo demonstrandum. In other words, booyah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, That one really awesome touch. You obviously noticed what Ray was driving. Uh, it was an RV. It was a bookmobile. It was a bookmobile. So I did not notice what he was driving. Yeah, yeah. Now, just to kind of veer towards, I guess, the, the more serious, I mean, one of the things this episode seems to be focusing on is the disconnects that have occurred since the library's connection with the real world was cut by Judson, who whose name comes up in this episode, yep. in response to the Serpent Brotherhood stealing stuff from the library. And then when it returned... The shock of its return left it without its intelligence, which is how Ray comes into the picture. And I guess one of the questions, and, and maybe I missed it, but where did his body come from? I mean, yeah, it, was that body just some random guy that happened to be nearby or? Well, kind of, yeah. I, I, well, no, I don't, I, I think it was created just as the Ray was kind of created by the, the, the library, you know? Okay. All right. So, I mean, again, it's probably not important in the big yeah, picture. Yeah, we're just you know watching too much like supernatural. You know, you're used to like people having their bodies possessed. I think is a problem, Dave. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I, I love that idea of using ghost lights to nourish the library. Right. And and I guess ghost lights are a, a term in the theater, but obviously the you know the implication as we embark on Halloween of ghosts being dead and yet using ghost lights to keep the library alive, I thought was a pretty cool idea. Yeah. And it makes like a really good symbol as the, they go out one by one, like literally the lights are going out yeah. as the library is dying. Yeah. And, and you know, the disconnects go beyond just the library Flynn, as I've kind of alluded, disconnected from the other librarians and, you know, his relation with, Eve aside, there's now four librarians, apparently of equal rank and standing, despite what Flynn might think. And I know Jones is Jones, but sometimes there just seems to be a disconnect on his part as to what he signed on for. So on the one hand, Cassandra Stone and Jones are in the background for the most part working with Jenkins. But, you know, as we'll see when we talk about that, that portion Again, you know, there's a lot going on. And this was an episode that when I watched it the first time, I thought, all right, B plus at the highest, mm-hmm. maybe even a B. Watched it a second time. And and, and I think it, it, it just struck me a lot harder than the first time. So, um, you know, even though we don't see a lot of the young librarians, it's certainly important. Seeing Ray with Flynn, Moriarty with Eve, but... The examination of the concept of a team, librarian, library, that's how it works, Flynn tell, tells Ray at that one point. Right. And then one thing I was thinking about it as as I was looking at the relationship and, and you know, just the whole just the whole road trip that Eve has with Moriarty, I'd love to see a dark Eve actually work with Moriarty yeah. at some point in the show. Well, that's what she was doing, right? Except like not 
Oh yeah, but I mean, like like she's gone over to the dark side. Exactly, know. like yeah. e- even where we had dark Cassandra, and there was a reason for it. And I don't see a show like The Librarians doing something like that on an extended basis, like season five. Eve's gone to the dark side, right? And works with Moriarty for the entire well, season. I'm just saying, like I remember this season, so you might see something along akin to what you are wishing for. All right. Now, speaking of that, we, we've got to talk about it at work tomorrow um, as we get closer and closer to the season three premiere. Uh, what we're going to do here, are we going to double up the uh, episodes seven and eight and then nine and ten? So think about it. If we do that, we can make it. Okay. All right. So it's been done before. There's a historical precedent for it. Dave. There, there is indeed. So. All right, so opening scene, and and I love extended scenes where, where it's it's not just a bunch of uh, frenetic uh, jump cuts, and we see Cassandra, and she's trying to talk via the communication stones. Have we seen those before, or is that just something that's uh, been... I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, although later in the episode, Eve just calls Jenkins on her cell phone, so I'm not sure right. why they needed the communication stones, but uh, there maybe there's a reason, and I just missed it, but... Uh, they're breaking into some billionaire's house to recover the eye of Zarathustra. See, I can say it. Eve couldn't. Zarathustra. Oh, I love, I love the way he, he does that. That's, he's so awesome. But we learn that artifacts have been going missing, and some are turning up in this guy's house. And, and the evidence seems to imply that Prospero's been stealing them, giving them away, and, and the question is, why and who's he giving them to? Because we don't really learn who this billionaire is and, and how he right. or she is uh, connected. The uh, I guess the, the prime storyline focuses on Flynn Carson and Ray trying to recover Ray's memory. And yeah. uh, I, I like how they don't drag out the fact that Ray is the library's intelligence sure. to the very end, right? So, I mean, right. we find that out midway through well because i mean that's like the heart of this particular episode is the flynn being like totally geeked out that he can actually talk to the library and actually the relationship between flynn and the library yeah yeah it it was really i I think it was really well done especially when they're in the diner and the milkshakes he wants you know all right fine one more milkshake but (laughs) We see Flynn turn up in that suit of armor and, and through his awkward banter tells Eve that he's trying to open up to her, which is going to be a, a recurring theme through the rest of season two as their relationship you know, has its fits and starts. But the main point, though, here is that they do need to check in with each other so that they don't end up covering the same ground. And, and that whole librarian working alone, it's just not going to work anymore. Right. And and he's the one that's got to change, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's got to get on board here because, and you know, like like we said before, you know, he's been on his own for like ten years now. So, uh, the idea of being part of a team is it's difficult for him, you know. Well, it is, but it shouldn't be that difficult. Well, but it, it, I mean, you know. Like, I guess. You know, like if you do something a certain way for long enough, you kind of get that's this is how it's I'm used to working this way and 
And when they throw something, you know, like in teaching, it happens all the time, right? I get used to doing something a certain way, and now they say, you can't do it that way anymore. Can't teach that five-paragraph essay, Dave. At least I don't have a student intern. Yeah, right. So That keeps me on my toes. I was going to say, they have their benefits, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, so Flynn finds himself locked in a room with the missing artifacts, and he's able to communicate with Eve via the pin that she was wearing, and that tapping out of the Chinese telegraph code, which I, I guess it's a real thing. Yeah, I, have no I, I assume it is, but yeah. <laughs> Ray recognized it, but but then again, it's the library, right? And, and you wonder whether some of his you know, synapses are beginning to connect. And that's how he knows that because he, because he says he doesn't remember anything from four months back. Right. Which is obviously when, when the library became uh, disconnected to, you know, this, this plane. Well, Ray discovers what he's doing and, unfortunately he gets enough out. Cassandra deduces that Flynn's being held in Eastern Maryland. Yeah. That's not a bad place to, to be held. Yeah, Though I, I don't think there's any big shipping ports in Easton like that. Right now, Easton's right on the way to Ocean City, right? Uh huh. Okay. So yeah, it's it's uh, about um, half hour over the Bay Bridge. Right. So it's a nice little town. Yeah. So like you said, there's no big shipping ports. No. I mean, clearly it's the 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 Chesapeake Bay and and uh, you know, well not no, I guess it's not the Chesapeake Bay. It's there's you know, it actually does hit the ocean, but certainly not enough for any big ship to get close. There's, you know, big ship could get, yeah, could get up there. Yeah. No. So, um, but we roll with it, Dave, right? Exactly. So but I did note that. I'm like, there's no way with a big you know, shipping. Easton's not a port. Yeah. It's like, in fact, in uh, 12 Monkeys, the- Yeah, Westminster, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I don't know if you're back, remember 24, where one of the terrorists- They bombed Clarksville. They bombed Clarksville, right? Which is right where we teach. (laughs) So unfortunately, they didn't hit our school. Yeah, the next day, I was like, does this mean we're off tomorrow? Yeah. All right. So Ray needs Flynn and the staff, the staff of knowledge, to help him get his memory back and- he recognizes, and again, you know, they're throwing out bits and pieces. He, he understands that there's wild magic in the world and it needs to be contained, which, which obviously immediately creates a, a bond with Flynn and, and gives him something. Okay, I can work with that. And then when he lets him know that I, I really don't know anything except that when I'm with you, Flynn, I feel good. And when, I'm, when I wasn't, I felt terrible. Like, I don't know if how, how I would respond to something like that. I'd be like, okay. Well, I, th- I think ordinarily most people would, but this is Flynn Carson we're talking right. about, and, and he lives in a world of magic, and, and obviously this seems to be pointing to something supernatural or magical or whatever. And it doesn't take long for Flynn to figure that Ray is the library. And, and we mentioned about having no memory from four months back or this explains why ray randomly finds artifacts in his pockets yeah. he, he just doesn't know how they get there right right and that i guess the severe headaches is again a byproduct of oh, yeah anthropomorphizing yeah you know but it's and, cool and oh i forgot to look up i know that guy I, he was on leverage he had a rec- kind of a, a semi-recurring role the other thing is, though, you know, as Flynn 
talks to Ray and tries to, you know, piece all of this together, it's almost as if he seems more concerned with having his questions answered about the library than he is helping Ray, because clearly this is a, a guy, library or not, that, that's in a lot of physical and emotional distress. And yeah. okay, I mean, I, I get wanting some of these questions answered, but dude, come on. Yeah. A little sympathy here. Yeah. So they find the temple in which the staff's located. And I don't know, what would you think about the sight gag with the arrows? Oh, oh yeah. Well, but that's, it's kind of like, um, like, like something that I've, they've, they've done before. I'm, yeah. I mean, it certainly seems like something out of the movies and, and that's, Hey, that's fine. The movies are great, but yeah. But but they've and we've seen this in, right in the, right in the librarian movies right I think yeah they they did it as well on the show at least once maybe even twice where they have like this kind of um you know Indiana Jones opening scene maze to get through or whatever right I, I, I like I yeah I, I still even though it looks kind of, you know it, obviously it doesn't really put us there like realistically we don't think hey I, you know, this feels really present to me but uh, I still liked it. To me, it's so dumb that it becomes funny, right. and and then though what you know later on when 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 they go on, when they're going down that one hallway with all the fire, and the two of them in tandem you know rotate those stones that I thought was pretty cool, yeah uh, that yeah. that I really liked, and so they're they're inside the temple they see the staff, and as Ray's going for it, Flynn's surprised that. Even Moriarty are together. Yeah. Now, of course, she has a different conclusion about Ray, thinking that he's destroying the library. Look, I know I've talked about some of the cheesiness of the special effects. Yeah, I thought the ones in tonight's episode were pretty good. Uh, you know, I really mm. did. The, you know, well, I, 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 you know, when he's holding the staff and and you know the electricity is going through it, and I thought that was pretty cool. And it then okay. And then, you know, when, when Ray and Flynn are, you know, I think it's Flynn that's holding, you know, the actual eye of Zarathustra and, and it kind of glows and he's holding it up in the air. Uh, you know, that's not, it, look, it, it's not a car explosion. It's not, you know, the thing with yeah. Cassandra where she, you know, we see what she sees. But I, I thought these were still pretty effective. Yeah. Okay. Right, we'll agree to disagree. But I, I like the uh, Flynn's line here, where like he sees even more air. He's like, "Wait, what? Hey, how'd you guys? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> like he just doesn't like his mind just isn't processing that that Eve was teamed up with Moriarty. Yeah, exactly. And there were some good. I mean, well, there are always good lines in the librarians, but but uh, that was certainly. <laughs> One of them. Yeah. That, I, I just want to say, Dave, that in my notes I said Ray grabs staff and is engulfed by cheesy blue light. So yeah. the staff begins working. Ray's memory is returning, but it, it's as if it's too much at once. And Moriarty suggests that one of them's going to have to help somehow. And you know, we'll, we'll see later in the episode how that ends up uh, occurring. Because, like most shows, we've got three storylines going on, and they all come together at the end. So let's go ahead and move over to the Eve and Moriarty storyline where they team up. She wants to find Flynn. He wants to find the staff of knowledge. And as he seems to be able to do on a relatively frequent basis is convince her of the value 
of the two of them working together because you would think on the one hand, no, I'm not going to help you get the staff of knowledge. You're a bad guy. But that's in fact what, you know, they have to do. In the words of Jessica Rabbit, I'm not bad. I'm just written that way. She said drawing, but yeah. Now, um, Flutes of Pan, that was awesome. Yeah. Where uh, everybody uh, falls asleep. But then Moriarty and the henchmen show up at Ray's as he's been tasked with acquiring magic for Prospero. And, you know, he waxes poetic about it. And then, again, Cassandra, please do not fangirl over the arch villain. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is probably my favorite line. That's a episode. great line. That's a really good line. That one was, um, they would have those on the, uh, uh, in the in-between segments uh, and when they were advertising um, librarians on other shows that week. I remember that line being like a prominent line in the trailer. Yeah. And if you're watching the show, that's going to. It's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, I, I mean, I, I think I know the answer, uh, but the young librarians escape with a bag of artifacts. Moriarty seems relatively unconcerned. I guess he just figures there are still plenty of artifacts for him. Well, I, I love that because, like, you know, Stone's, like, looking around, like, it's kind of like they play it as a comedic scene. And he, he, he like, pulls the, the spear and uh, Moriarty just kind of rolls his eyes. And then, you know, uh, Stone looks at Eve and, like, kind of shrugs his shoulders. And she looks at him, like, shrugs her shoulders. And they're all like, should I do it? I don't know. What the hell? <laughs> it's just like, and then he, like, charges and knocks him over. And, and just is all, like, obviously played for comedic effect. But was, I, I liked that. I thought it was very funny. Well, I, I did, too. And I what I especially liked is, is, how that played out because they grab every artifact they can and, and they realize that the door back to the annex is only going to stay open momentarily and then it closes before eve can get through of course and i mean on the one hand i appreciate that they view the mission as more important than the individual which is of course what she would say if you asked her right and it's not that they won't come back for Eve. They did tell her to run. Well, yes, but I think they did the right thing, obviously, and and that they're not going to come back and get her until the magic that they have is safe because, again, th- that no one person is bigger than the world. Which is we saw with Cassie last week, right? Well, right, of course. So, all right. Um, and Dave, I just want you to know that I'm as pre- precisely as charming as I think I am to the decimal yes. point. Well, yes, you are. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I like that to the decimal point. That's classic. <laughs> All right. So Moriarty. Uh, Moriarty. Uh, you know, sometime, maybe at the end of season three, we'll, we'll just have to sit down and maybe talk about our favorite arch villains in yeah. the librarians. Sure. Okay. Well, he proposes that he and Eve work together. He wants the staff. She wants Flynn. He's got Ariel and figures that he can find them faster because he's got a magic GPS. Tells right. her he was summoned by Prospero against his will, you know, and all that, and used the staff to break the spell. And I'm like, you don't believe that, do you, Eve? Mm-hmm. So, well, I, you know, and I think, again, that's such it's- a compelling uh, plot point. That as we move forward, I mean, obviously, we're not done with Moriarty. Sure. But uh, again, with the self-interest. And then 
so what do you think? I mean, does he like Eve or is he just using her? Oh, I, it seems, I mean, again, like I'm, I'm speaking from like, I know what goes on later. Um, but I do remember thinking at the time that it seemed pretty genuine. That's what I think. Because there isn't that moment at the end. Where it's like, ha ha, I got what I wanted. So here's, let me show you that I was just playing you and using you the whole, you know, and he opens up his, you know, he opens up to her. He does. In a way that he doesn't really have to. You know, he, like their their partnership at first is one of convenience. So there's really no reason for him to get her to sympathize with him because there it's a mutually, you know, it makes sense for them to work together, right? Right. Um, so there's, there's, there's no need to, like, for him to, you know, have her sympathize with him unless he actually cares what she thinks about him. Right. And I suppose we could say, why does she trust him? But she probably doesn't fully trust him. But at this but again, point, that's the charming part that comes in, you know, it, it is. And but at this point, he's also her best bet. So right. I'm going to go with you, but I'm going to keep my eye on you. Yeah. But he is pretty charming to the decimal point. So. Right. Uh, that's again that's just a fascinating story plot point that that i really love there and as they're driving moriarty points out that it wasn't he who didn't want to work with sherlock holmes and then the way he describes holmes sounds just like flynn yeah and then that line there are those of us who run and those of us who build implying that flynn and holmes always run and and, yeah So the question is, what are they running from? Commitment? Yeah. Well, Holmes, he's just, I mean, I don't know to call him a mess would be, but he's kind of a mess, you know? Well, and I think on one level, Flynn is a mess. Yeah. I mean, for the the same reason, because, you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes just can't, like his brain is just always going, right? And when he's bored, that's when he gets in trouble. Right, and that comes out so well in Sherlock. Right. Oh, look at you making the reference. To I Sherlock. know. There you well go. Played. Have you Have you watched the uh, the TV no. movie yet? No. Have you gone through the three seasons? I, I have not. No, oh, okay. they they didn't have any on this weekend. But uh, he then compares himself Netflix. to Eve. I know. <laughs> he compares himself to Eve. We're builders, and I'm starting to think it's like, okay, is Eve buying into this story? And if she is, is it because it's true? Well, yeah. I, I mean, well, is, I, yeah, obviously there is some some truth in there, right? Right. She's a builder. She builds a team. Yep. And and then takes care of it. Yeah. And she's and not she, leaving, right? I mean, she's got a government job. Remember, this was supposed to be temporary, right? She, yeah. Like six months or something, right? That was like she was going to be back at work. or No, just a couple of weeks, right? I think so. And uh, she's never gone back to that that job with the government. So she's she's staying put, right? She's not running, but Flynn is, you know, he's all over the place. Right. I mean, she builds something and then she nurtures it. I mean, you know, if you want to take a, a a garden analogy, you know, she she plants the seeds and then she waters them and takes care of them and prunes them and calls the uh, nursery when a bunch of the leaves are turning orange and falling off on the <laughs> trees that you spent all that money. Yeah. Um, they assured the, me it the, was normal. 
All right. Now, the, the third storyline is back at the Adex. And I am back at the Adex. Cassandra, Jones, Stone, and Jenkins are doing their best to keep the library alive. And the mission uh, it seems to be going sideways. They or wake pear up. Or pear shaped. Or pear shaped. I don't exactly know what that meant, but. Yeah, I don't know. Either. Uh, they wake to find Flynn and Eve gone. Jenkins tells them the back doors become unstable. So, you know, they don't have a lot of time, have to return right away. And, and as I mentioned before, okay, if her phone works to talk to Jenkins, why do they need the communication stones? But maybe there's something I missed or something that we'll find out moving forward. Well, you know how much your cell service drops, you know, the communication stones are solid. Their system is much better. Well, you're probably right. So, <laughs> all right. So the team sets off to find Flynn. Jones has some kind of homing device, but they enter the container a bit too late as Ray drives off with Flynn. You know, we go through all of this. Cassie sees the pattern, struggles to make sense of it. And, you know, we talked about Jenkins telling them to gather all the artifacts. But once we get back to HQ is when Jenkins informs them that the library is dying. And, you know, it does get pretty grim back at the library and, and you know, set against, you know, some of Flynn's really funny lines and, and you know, the, 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 the banter between Eve and Moriarty, things are dark. At the end here, yeah, things get pretty, pretty bleak. And and you know it's funny because on the one hand, all right, it's the librarians. You you know the library's not going to die. You know sure. the, all this, but you don't know that. You know, I mean, we've already right. seen so much, so that we could clearly see something happening where those four are totally cut off from Eve. And Flynn, and then you know the next episode or two could could go down that road. So certainly we know something like that could take place. Jenkins tells them they need to leave because now we're at the point where there is no, uh, you know, I guess we're we're past the point of no return. Right. He's I, I, immortal. I'm not sure what exactly was going to happen. I know he said it, but I don't, know, I don't think I caught it. Well, I'm not sure either, but it wasn't good. Right, <laughs> and, exactly. I mean, we know something like not good would, would happen. but Right, uh, and, and he says that I'm immortal. I can keep the library going longer, but not that I can keep it going so that he's going to basically spare them, let them get away. He's going to die. And then in the end, what will he have accomplished? Although I guess you could argue that he's trusting Flynn to find an answer and, and he just wants to keep it alive until Flynn gets back with that answer. But yeah, but I think more important is his willingness to, you know, sacrifice himself potentially. And, and then they do exactly what we knew they would do. We're not leaving you here alone in the dark. Well, actually I might consider it. Jones tells yeah. him. <laughs> so, Things are going badly for Ray. Moriarty figures out what's got to be done. You know, as we talked about with, with the uh, staff, it, it's generating so much power. It, it's giving him information so fast. And I'm, again, I'm trying to remember the show. It's a sci-fi show where it was one one of these transfers of information that that the human person couldn't handle it. But they realize. He's fictional. Is that the computer wore tennis shoes? Uh, no. I, I think you said that last time. 
Did I say that last time? I don't know. Or sometime. That was a good movie. But I didn't know it then. I don't know it now. <laughs> but, but you know, Moriarty's immortal because he's fictional. And as we see, just because I can't die doesn't mean I don't feel pain. Sure. That was a nice line. Yeah. And then I meant every word I said, Duchess. You remember that. And I'm thinking like, all right, what does that mean? And then he walks away with the staff. He's just like impressive stuff. Like, you know, like, I'm not a bad guy. I'm, you know, I'm going to return someday and and really try to work some game on you. Okay. Well, so it's all just charm. But when I say game, I mean like, yeah, well, I mean, it is mostly, but I think he really does. He's really into her. Okay. And I think that was obvious from the very first. Okay. No, I agree. Which pisses the rest of us off because you know not me really yeah come on I, okay I, you gonna root for the the smarmy british guy come on I, i'm always the one that says the things that are yeah. you're just trying to stir politically the pot. incorrect you're just trying to stir the pot okay i'll call you it a about running for president <laughs> yeah <laughs> i could probably win this year yeah you should do better than the guys there um, all right anyway but you know that whole you know, good girl being attracted to the bad boy. Yeah, oh, they are. So, but then, is he bad or is he bad because Conan Doyle wrote him to be bad and that, you know, at my core, I'm not bad. I think that's just a line, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, well, just like right. in, in Wreck-It Ralph, which I know you haven't seen, and I've probably said this before, but it's like, just because I'm a bad guy doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of like what Moriarty's trying to put out there. Yeah. And yeah, maybe there's some truth to that. But yeah. uh, things are getting better. Ray tells Flynn that he remembers him as his best friend. And as Jenkins. Which thinks, did you see like like the Flynn after he said that he like started to cry a little bit? I, I did. Yeah. Little that was, baby. He's going to call me Elvis <laughs> Gerback. <laughs> All right. So. Jenkins thinks all's lost, and then Flynn, Eve, and Ray appear. Good to have the team back together, Ray tells Flynn. And and then he says, you seem upset. And, and I think that's what you're kind of alluding to. And he tells Flynn, who wants all his questions answered, that the journey is more important than the destination. For somebody like Flynn Carson, that's a tough pill to swallow, even though you know it's true. Well, he just, the whole time, he's just like this little kid, like, you know, oh, Bobby, tell me, tell me, tell me the stories about me when I was a baby or something like that, you know? And, uh, you know, and he's not really satisfied. You know, he doesn't, he just wants to sit here and learn all the secrets of the library, but, um, you know, it's not to be. No, in time. So we get to the final scene, you know, Flynn turns around to see Eve and the three librarians. What? an outstanding visual mm-hmm. you know eve's far left the other librarians are standing at the top of some steps which i assume is supposed to indicate that the library is back and then the three of them walk towards flynn while eve remains at the top of the steps and they keep walking to begin putting the library back in order and then flynn goes to eve and i love that she just stands there and forces him to come to her Right. Because because then she says, running again. Oh. And she knows the answer. Yeah. But he's, I mean, yeah, he is. 
But oh, but the library wants me to go after Prospero. Yeah, yeah right. Shut up. It just it told him in person, face to face. It told him that. Well, and then her response: No kiss this time. I think. Yeah, man, that was so harsh. Is, is she angry at him or is she angry at the library? I don't think she's angry at all. Okay. But I think just, she's just like, you know, like. Well, well if she's not well, angry, then why not kiss him? Well. I mean, just kiss him she goodbye. She just spent time with another guy that maybe is kind of. Oh, okay. Doing things for her. But also, I, I don't know even know if it's that, but I just think that her, like, like I mean, what Moriarty said, right? She's a builder and he's a runner. Okay. You know, and so maybe that kind of struck home a little bit, and she's kind of realized, you know what, I am a builder. I am. He's always going to be running off, and I'm always going to be here, and that doesn't really work for me. Okay, but if he's running after Prospero, which clearly needs to be done, why does she interpret that as running? Because he's not there, I guess, you know, because okay. he's not staying, because he's not with her. Okay. The other thing I love how – and, and I guess we've got to give credit to Noah Wiley since he directed this episode, is that the expectation, I think, in Eve that he was going to turn around and come back and kiss her. Oh. And then he In which case, she's playing games and she, she deserves not to be kissed then. Oh, that's pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Don't play games. Uh, Stop okay. using sex as a weapon. That was a good song. Okay. Yeah. Who did that? I know the song, but I can't remember who did. Uh, I believe it was Pat Benatar. Okay. Ah, the eighties. Yep. MTV when they actually played music videos. No, it was good back then. I loved MTV. Yeah, all twenty of them. <laughs> just, just keep watching them over and over again. <laughs> that was awesome. All right. Well, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with a minus on this one. After uh, all, I give you a B plus. Okay. All right. I mean, not my favorite, and that's getting difficult to you know at this sure. point because there are so few episodes that that uh, and they're all good. It's just some are, yeah, some are exceptional. Yeah, some are exceptional. So, all right, well, anything else you want to add about this one? Well, just that I think Flynn must be related to my wife because he says I don't know how to say goodbye, and every time we go to some function with my wife's family. Um, they don't know how to say goodbye either. It takes forever. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the running joke in, uh, with my in-laws as well. And it's like the, the knowing glance that I have with my sister-in-laws Yeah, that yeah, we're leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in an hour. No, we're leaving. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. And an hour later, they're still there. Yep. So, all right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for us tonight. We'd love to hear from you with follow-ups about the librarians. Uh, if you've picked up a copy of the librarians in the lost lamp and want to let us know what you think about it, that would be awesome. Uh, anything you think we should be watching as if we have a lot of time with all the right. new shows out there, but also like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week to discuss Season 2, Episode 6, The Librarians and the Infernal Contract. But until then... Wow, this is usually a lot more bantery than arguing this thing we do. <laughs> <laughs>